I invite you, my friends, to take your Bible now and took, t- uh, turn, please, to the Gospel of, of Matthew, chapter 26. Turn to Gospel of Matthew, <clears throat> chapter 26. Our theme today is Gethsemane, a time we all go through. Gethsemane, a time we all go through. It was a time and place that Jesus went through, and we read of it in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 26. Gethsemane was a garden on the slope of the Mount of Olives by Jerusalem. In fact, if you go there today on a tour, you will have the privilege of going into the garden of Gethsemane. Those of us who were on a Holy Land tour just a few years ago were in that very sacred and special place. And the word Gethsemane means olive press, olive press. Gethsemane was a a garden of olives to which Jesus had permission to enter almost like a retreat. And the Bible here tells us that Jesus took three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John, and he took them into the garden. The time was very late on the Thursday evening, Thursday evening of the, uh, leading up to the Friday when Jesus was eventually crucified. In Gethsemane, someone has said, we see the sorrow of Jesus and we see the sleep of the disciples. We see the the testing and the triumph of Jesus. Let's read from Matthew 26, beginning at verse 30, which will lead us into the garden scene. Start at verse 31. Well, verse 30 says, Then they sang a hymn and went out to the Mount of Olives. On the way... Jesus told them, tonight all of you will desert me, for the scriptures say, God will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. Peter declared, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times that you even know me. No, Peter insisted, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the other disciples vowed the same. Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. He said to Peter, Couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left them a second time and prayed, 
my Father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping, for they couldn't keep their eyes open. So he went to pray a third time, saying the same things again. Then he came to the disciples and said, Go ahead and sleep. Have your rest. But look, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. My betrayer is here. My friends, we see a little bit of what happened in Gethsemane for Jesus. And as I reflect upon the scene that we just read, I want to say to you the following. Gethsemane is a time of agony, openness, and brokenness before the Lord. That's our first truth today. It is a time of agony, openness, and brokenness. And this comes out in verses 37, 38, and 39. Clearly we see Jesus in emotional agony. But at the same time, it was a time of openness and brokenness before God, our Heavenly Father. What do we mean? What do we mean by openness and brokenness? Well, we mean being as open, as honest, as sincere, as straightforward as a person can possibly be. We see the openness and brokenness in, in verse 38 where Jesus says, my soul is overwhelmed. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. That's the New International Version translation. Or the New Living Translation puts it like this. My soul is crushed. My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. We see it again in verse 39 when Jesus basically says, My Father, if it is possible for me not to suffer on the cross, not to go through it, can I somehow avoid it? That's what I would say. That's what I would call openness and brokenness. I want you to think about the significance here. Think about the symbolism. Earlier, I shared with you how Gethsemane means olive press, olive press. You see, it was not only where olives grew in silver, in silver green orchards beneath sunlit skies. It was also a place where ripe olives were broken and crushed. Out of the experience of brokenness flowed precious olive oil for food and health, for lamplight, and as an ointment for healing. Randall Denny, in his book called In the Shadow of the Cross, beautifully writes these words. He says, in this place of brokenness, Jesus passed through crushing agony. It pleased the Lord to bruise him and crush him so that the fresh oil of the Holy Spirit might soon flow to all who believe in him. His oil of blessing nourishes our spirits, gives light to those in darkness, and brings healing to the heartaches of humanity. Amen, amen. Could I suggest, could I suggest that Jesus' experience of openness and brokenness also free up 
Free up you and me. Free up all of us to open, to be open and broken before our Heavenly Father. Some, uh, some wonderful spiritual results can flow out of our openness and brokenness. For some of us, it may mean crying out to God. It may mean crying out to God and saying, have mercy on me, O God. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my sins. As the psalmist wrote in Psalm 51, verses 1 and 2. For some of us, being open and broken may mean crying out to God and saying, God, my heart, my heart is broken over my family member's illness, over my loved one's death, or God, I'm in the dumps because of family problems, or Lord, I am sick and tired of my work headaches. We're talking about being open and broken before the Lord. Or, Lord, I'm not sure how much longer, I'm not sure how much longer I can still cope with everything. And I want to say to us, feel free to be open and broken before the Lord. And I assure you that some wonderful spiritual and emotional blessings will flow out will flow out out of your brokenness and, and openness and honesty with God, our Heavenly Father. Amen? Amen? There's a, there's a second truth that I ask you to focus on with me now about Gethsemane. And it is this. Read it with me, would you? Gethsemane is a time of prayer and strength for the journey. This occurred to me out of verse 39 where it says, He fell with his face to the ground and prayed. He fell with his face to the ground and prayed. Or as the New Living Translation says, he went on a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground, praying. Jesus knew that soon he would be arrested, he'd be put on trial and crucified to pay for the price for the sins of the people. He would pay for the, the sins of all people of all time, people like you and me. It is very significant for us to notice that Jesus deliberately went to the Garden of Gethsemane for prayer. He went there for prayer before facing the biggest event in his life, in his earthly life. And I would suggest to you, to all of us, that this is a powerful lesson for us, that Gethsemane is a time of prayer and strength for the journey. If you're going to be going for a job interview, pray in advance. Amen? Are you going to be having a job review? Pray in advance. Are you going to the doctor about a health need, a health issue? Pray ahead of time. Are you about to have an examination for a particular course or degree? Do your best but pray, 
pray fervently? Are you trying to decide which university to go to? Some of you are in that phase of life where you're about to decide which, which opportunity for university or college you are going to accept. Pray about that, would you? Are you thinking about getting married to someone? Pray triply hard. <laughs> are you about to have a child? Pray. Are you seeing your child start a new job or a new venture? Pray for him or her. Are you about to retire? Pray. Are you facing a major decision? Pray. Look at verse 46. Look at verse 46. It says, Jesus is speaking, and he says, Up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. One of the reasons, one of the reasons Jesus was able to say, up, let's be going, look, my betrayer is here, is because through prayer, he experienced strength for the journey ahead. Strength. That's what happens. When we pray, we are fortified. We're built up. We are energized for the journey. Amen? And that's why it's important. That's why it's essential to have personal times of prayer. And that's why it's important for us to gather in prayer meetings through the week on various occasions. And by the way, I want to say thank you to those of you who especially come faithfully and regularly to various prayer meetings across the weeks and during the month. Thank you for your faithfulness to prayer. Gethsemane is a time of prayer and strength for the journey. There's a third truth I want you to discover with me about Gethsemane, and it is this. Gethsemane is a time of trust. It is a time of trust. Look at verse 39. It says, he went on a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. He says, my father. If you look at the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14, verse 36, it records Jesus, it records Jesus as saying, Abba, Abba, Father. The word Abba, was the word used in their day. It was the word used by a young child to its father. It was an everyday family word which, uh, which no one had dared to use in addressing God. In that first century, no one, no one would have dared to use Abba in addressing God. Jesus, however, spoke to his heavenly Father, in a childlike, trustful, and intimate way, as a little child would speak to his or her father. And there's a sense, my friends, there's a sense in which you and I can approach our Heavenly Father with full trust, with full trust, even when we don't understand everything. Amen? 
There are times when we don't understand why things turn out the way they do. Many times things happen in your life and mine we don't understand. I've told you on occasion how I remember now how about 20 years ago we were, we were just one meeting away from buying, from buying a 3.3 acres piece of land for our new building site, for our new church building project. And at that time, this is 20 years ago, at that time three of the boards responsible for that land told us they would sell the land to us at a very reasonable price. They said it just had to be rubber stamped by a final committee and we could go to the lawyer and finalize things. And as some of you might remember, in the end it wasn't rubber stamped and the property was not sold to us. And when that happened, I personally was very disappointed because I had personally spent many, many hours working on the potential land deal, meeting with, uh, meeting with uh, city planning staff and staff members here in the city and trying to bring about the deal. And I remember thinking, I remember thinking, Lord, I don't understand. I don't understand why I invested all that time only to come to a dead end. But I remember thinking as well, Lord, I'll just keep trusting. I'll just keep trusting. And eventually we found and we bought. We found not just a 3.3 acre piece of land, but we found these eight acres of land here on which we obviously bought and built. And I am repeatedly reminded when I think of that incident of how we may not understand, but sometimes what's happening is God. God, God is directing us in his unique way and delaying things to direct us to the right place at the right time. Amen? Amen? Sometimes, sometimes we, a family member or friend, loses their job at the, at the worst of times, it would seem. There are, there are no easy answers. And we can only come to a point of trust, right? We have to come to a point of trust. Sometimes, sometimes our, our, our children grow up and, and they don't turn out the way, the way we raised them or the way we hoped they would. We loved them, we prayed for them, did everything for them, but sometimes they grow up and end up causing mom or dad much hurt. And it is then that it is a time and a place to keep trusting, amen? To keep trusting. On occasion, a husband and wife look forward to retirement. They have planned well, done well, and look forward to travel or to spend time doing some things of interest together. But sadly, one or the other develops a health problem or all of a sudden one spouse passes away and there's no way of understanding and it's a time for trust, for trust. I'm reminded of the, the hymn that says, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know the saith the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, 
how I've proved him more and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. May you and I be inspired by Gethsemane to be more trusting in the Lord. Amen? Amen? Let me also direct your attention to this next truth, number four. Gethsemane, read it out loud with me from the big screen. Gethsemane is a time of loneliness and disappointment. Loneliness and disappointment. Jesus took with him his three chosen disciples, Peter, James, and John. They all had previous experience fishing all night, staying up all night, but for some reason on this occasion, they couldn't keep their eyes open. Look at verse 40. Then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. He said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? In verse 43, when he returned to them again, he found them sleeping, for they couldn't keep their eyes open. Essentially, Jesus, Jesus was left disappointed and alone. He couldn't depend upon them. He couldn't depend upon them to stay awake and pray with him during this agonizing time. Here's a thought. Here's a question. Can others depend on you and me? Can others depend upon you and me in their time of need? Some years ago, Ben Price wrote this moving poem. Ben wrote, it was alone the Savior prayed in dark Gethsemane. Alone he drained the bitter cup and suffered there for me. Alone, alone, he bore it all alone. He gave himself to save his own. He suffered, bled, and died alone, alone. You and I have had disappointments and times of loneliness. And when we pray, when we pray and we look to our Lord during those times of disappointment and loneliness, the good news is, Jesus understands. Jesus understands because he went through the worst of it. And years ago, someone picked up on this truth and wrote the hymn, No one understands like Jesus. He's a friend beyond compare. Meet him at the throne of mercy. He is waiting for you there. No one understands like Jesus when the days are dark and grim. No one is so near, so dear as Jesus. Cast your every care on him. Amen. Amen. Ushers, ushers, can you, ushers, please check the doors from downstairs when the sound comes up to this extent? It usually means people have left the doors open downstairs. So can you check all the rele relevant doors, please? 
<clears throat> Let me take you to the fifth truth, and it is this. Gethsemane is a time, number five. Gethsemane is a time of full surrender. This truth comes to, to us out of verse 42. Then Jesus left them a second time and prayed, My Father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. Your will be done. Years ago, believers used to say that every Christian life must have its Gethsemane. Brother, Brother Evangelist, I don't know if in the islands they used to say that, that every, every believer needs to have their Gethsemane. But years ago, the old timers used to say, everyone needs to have their Gethsemane. And in a sense, that is true. At some point, we must take up the cross, consent to the death of self-centeredness, and abandon our lives totally to the will of God. And so the question is, have you said, have you said, Lord, thy will be done in my life. Thy will be done in my life. Lord, I surrender all. I surrender to you my will my rights, my wallet, my time. I surrender to you my gifts, my lifestyle, my children, my grandchildren. Lord, I surrender to you my present and my future. Gethsemane marks a place and a time a full surrender, full surrender. Sometimes we sing that beautiful hymn, all to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. I surrender all. I surrender all, all to thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. In the Garden of Gethsemane, we could say, truly, Jesus, the Son of God, surrendered all. May you and I, in our own way, surrender all, all that we are, all that we ever hope to be, Surrender all to God Almighty. Let it be so. Let it be so. I invite you.